airing the Addisons. Well, let me say this as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC looking forward to... Uh, in the next segment, Sherry B. getting our guest on, Nina Rosner. Uh, we're going to talk about her book uh, or discuss her book with all due respect. 40 mm-hmm. days. Watch this. 40 days to a more fulfilling relationship with your teens and tweens. Mm-hmm. Will, you need this conversation. Yeah, sure. Sure. You, you've got tweens. Yes. Basically. Yes. One of them next year. Well, in six months, I guess. Yeah. Our, we'll less be. than that. Five months. We'll be, yeah. And so anyways, we'll just, yeah, we'll just, it's okay. But you know what? I feel like this. They don't know that that's a thing. They don't have any expectation. Right. So let's, I'm sorry. Don't, don't, don't. don't, Should I just stop now? They're not listening. (laughs) So they don't know that the teenage years require something of them. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I almost feel there's a certain amount of insulation that we could benefit from if we just, keep it to ourselves. We don't have to tell them, hey, look, you're a teenager and why. now you're supposed to go fly off the handle <laughs> every time we talk to you. Yeah, right. Or you're a teenager and you're supposed to be wrapped up in your feelings like a burrito all day long. You kind of get that naturally. Not, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not as bad probably. Well, that's going to be actually one of, that's going to be one of my <laughs> questions that I'm going to ask Nina Rosner. Yeah. I'm going to ask if there are, in fact, my first question is, do all teens have to have some level of rebellion do they have to have some of that and i think some of it let me let me just well let me make my case for <laughs> you're like mickey did you write the book <laughs> then you don't know the answer sway I'll okay i don't know the answers um but i i just think that some of it i think is um they're growing into young adulthood mm-hmm. and there's a certain level of independence that they that they want but i'm wondering if there's a way for that independence to be expressed without rebellion yeah i'm sure there is i think the did, answer is going to be did you yes. experience it personally no. Now you ask me. Did you experience it? No. <laughs> In fact, when I got to college, when I, true story, which all my stories are true. Um, I don't know why I feel like I need to say this. All I guess maybe them? because it's so, well, if it's not true, I say exaggeration for yeah. effect, or I say that's a joke. Yeah. Which is hard to take a sanguine at her word because a sanguine is in it for the punchline usually. They're liars. Oh, don't Ooh, call us liars. Okay. Outgoing people do not like to be called liars. It turns us into immediate introverts. <laughs> Don't call us liars. We will shut down. You mess up our jokes if we can't embellish just a little bit. Yeah, but. No, don't do it. Don't introvert this conversation. No, that has nothing to do with being an introvert. <laughs> Telling the truth. Okay, I don't okay. like what you just did here. <laughs> you totally oversimplified this conversation. And I'm not and an you... introvert. What? What are you? Boy, I, you know. You are an I'm introvert. I'm a Christian. My identity is in Christ. <laughs> there's absolutely nowhere for me to go after that once you do that what what am i gonna say now it's altar call time where am i going it's time to we're done I'm with not church receiving these labels exactly block oh. it um no 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 true story though yeah. when i got to college mm-hmm. 
um, I want to say it was in my second year of college as I was growing and being discipled and learning how to hear the Lord and, and reading the scriptures daily and, and really growing in my relationship with the Lord. I was saved at 16, but I didn't receive any discipleship. I didn't know what that meant. So I was right. just a churchgoer who had received yeah. the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was in college that I was discipled and um, really understood what it was to, to walk and to live as a Christian. But in that process, man, the Holy Spirit um, convicted my heart of the way I behaved in my teenage years toward my mother mm who was doing the very best that she could in yeah. the situation that we were in because my father decided he was he was out, you know? Yeah. And um, I remember sitting in my dorm room at the University of Louisiana Lafayette, shout out to Lafayette if you're listening. Mm. And I remember sitting in my dorm room and just, you know, the Holy Spirit, he does this. He has this way of just convicting you mm-hmm. when you don't ask for it. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Because you wouldn't right? ask for you it. You wouldn't ask for it. <laughs> Although I, there are times that I pray for the Lord to convict me okay. when I'm not sure that I'm okay. making the right decision. I say, Lord, if that was wrong, yeah, Lord, convict that. me of that. Like That's if good. that was wrong, if yeah. I shouldn't have said that, if I shouldn't have done that, yeah. reveal it to me, you know? Um, but, but in this moment I wasn't, and man, the Holy <laughs> Spirit just started to remind me of some of the things that I did in my rebellion as a teenager um, that I owed my mom an apology for. Mm. And this was unprovoked by my mom. And I remember um, calling her and uh, from my dorm room, in that moment, because I didn't want to let it go by, because you can talk yourself out of repentance right. and, and just oh, apologizing, man. right? You can say, yeah. eh, she yeah, understood. No eh, yeah. She yeah. was raising was five gro- kids. I was growing. Yeah, I, you know. I was the best of the worst. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but no, I called her and I was like, mom, I, I said, I was horrible to you as mm. a teenager. I am so sorry. I repent. You know, I have I've truly come to understand what it is to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 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 and my mom said, oh, meek. It's okay. I don't hold that against you. And I was like, no, it's not good enough. <laughs> so I, I started giving a rundown, like I did this and I said that, and I would do these things and I would say these things. And she'd say, Meek, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. How you doing? You know what I mean? How, how, how's school going? That kind of thing. But um, anyway, so no, I don't, I didn't myself, I didn't make it through, unfortunately, and I'm not, I'm not proud of this. I'm ashamed of it. I didn't make it through my teenage years uh, with a level of respect that I expect from our children. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope that by God's grace, um, either they will do a better job mm-hmm. or I will. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I will say this. Our most kids are saved. Most people say it's payback. Most people like who? Your mom? <laughs> no. I mean, your mom's not you know, most people. People generally say, right? uh-huh, you're going to get what you got. That sounds like your what mom. you gave Again. when you were small, when you were young. When you, you started off that, back. When you started off that statement with, uh-huh. <laughs> It sounded like your mom. My mom don't say uh-huh. Yes, she does. Uh huh. That's, that's so Not your mom. Uh-huh, though. That's, well, that's I'm, different. Embellishment. <laughs> I'm a saying when that's what we do. Uh, but no, anyways, uh, welcome to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. This is Aaron the Addisons. We call it that so that we can do things like what you just heard. Aaron the Addisons. That's, that's right. right. It doesn't fit neatly into any yeah. area of the topic that we're going to discuss today. <laughs> but hey, um, we're all better for it. Confession is good for the soul, they say. Anyways, here we go. I wanted to finish up our conversation from yesterday. Yeah. We were talking about the United Methodist Church and the, the devil's attack on the church. Mm. Can we call things what they really are? Satan's attack on the church, his relentless attack against the promise made that the Lord is going to build his church mm. and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Uh, God has been faithful. The Lord Jesus Christ has been faithful. The spirit of God dispatched to the church has insulated and protected the church for 2000 years. And the Lord continues to do that. Um, But the enemy doesn't give up. 
And one of the things that we didn't get to yesterday that I wanted to make sure to include in this story, mm-hmm. and again, the links will be in the podcast of the story. So if you go to AFR.net, AFR.net, you can find not only the the podcast for the shows, but you'll find links to the articles that we discuss in the show, and that's important because we want you to be all Berean about it. <laughs> we, want to, we want you to not just take our word for it. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. That's right. Take a look. It's in a book mm-hmm. or in or this in case, article. an article <laughs> that just is d- more difficult to rhyme. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Free book to the person who can can rhyme article with something that makes sense. And yeah. it can't be particle. particle. <laughs> it cannot be particle. See, that's the only Barnacle. one that you have. OK. OK. All right. There. <laughs> Thanks, SpongeBob. Um, so there's a church in. <laughs> sorry, everybody. There's a church in Kenya that has become the first United Methodist Church in Africa. Um, to vote to become what they are calling a reconciling church. And I want you to keep in mind, this is a dead giveaway, right? (laughs) Keep in mind what we were talking about yesterday, that there is an organization within the United Methodist Church, UM Forward, that has a plan to divide the denomination into four different denominations. That's Mm. what we talked about yesterday. In the interest of time, I'm not going to go through that again. Uh, But what I wanted to say is that this information comes on the heels of earlier, well, we're in October, happy October 1st, but earlier in the month of September, so this information that we talked to you about yesterday came out at the end of September. Yeah. Earlier in the month of September, uh, information came out that the United Methodist Church or a United Methodist Church in Kenya unanimously voted to identify as reconciling, mm. making it the first African congregation to do so. Now, you might say, well, Addison's, why is that important? Well, that's important because we're showing you the strategic attack of Satan on the United Methodist Church. If you go back to earlier this year in February, the plan of attack was thwarted by African churches Mm -hmm. who overwhelmingly voted against any plans to scrap the scriptures. Yeah. They said, no, we're not doing it. In fact, let me remind you, I want to share with you just a little bit um, of the sentiment that came from uh, Pastor or Dr. Jerry Kula, Jerry P. Kula, who uh, is the is the dean of a, I, I don't know how to say the name of this school. He's but he's a dean at a university in Liberia, yeah. and I don't know how to say the we'll name. We'll give of you that. a pass on that. Thank you so much. It's it's G- don't, don't worry about don't, it. Just don't hurt myself. Yeah, okay, because it's just hard for me to say. <laughs> it starts with a G and then it has a B. Yeah. I don't know how to do oh, two yeah, consonants back to back. That's, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Gabun- gabun- <laughs> right. <laughs> He said, Meek, I told you not to try yeah, it, but I can't. I'm just that person. I'm just that person. I tried. Let it go. Let me just spell it for everyone. Elsa. Because let <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. Um, mispronunciations never bothered me anyway. Here we go. It's G-B-A-R-N-G-A. So knock yourself out with that. Anybody who Maybe wants to. Maybe the G to, is silent. I don't know. But go. Okay, then Barnga. The Barnga School of Theology, mm-hmm. United Methodist University in Liberia. Mm-hmm. And the dean of this university said this last year, and people may be familiar with this as he stood up for in defense of the scriptures. He said, as I understand it, the plan before us uh, seek or the plans before us seek to find a lasting solution to the long debate over our church's sexual ethics, its teachings on marriage and its ordination standards. This debate and numerous acts of defiance have brought the United Methodist Church to a crossroads. He referenced Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Um, He goes on to talk about why um, African tradition and the United Methodist Church stand uh, in solidarity with the word of God. Hmm. But then he mentioned this. He said, um, there are some people who are dangling money in Hmm. front of African churches. Hmm. 
that if they don't go along with this plan that would um, ordain homosexual uh, ministers or that would recognize so-called same-sex marriage, we understand that same-sex is not a marriage. That's right. But he said there are some who want to dangle money in front of us. Basically, his point was, we don't need your money. Mm. He said there may be some Africans who would want your money. He said, unfortunately, there may be some who are enamored or who are after your financial support. He said, but we're not one of them. Mm. And, and basically what he was saying, this, this dean of this Liberian university, he said, basically, um, we don't need cultural elites telling us Africans how to live in faithfulness to the Lord and to the scriptures. Mm. So now what that did was send a message stateside. That message, that message said to UM forward, okay, we need African churches to prove him wrong. Mm. More opportune time. A more opportune time. I, man, <laughs> it gives me chills just to even think about it. So what does that mean? That means that this church in Kenya is the first, I believe, of many who will follow suit. And I do believe there is a financial component to this. I do believe that it is, okay, wait a minute. If we, and, and in fact, the pastor of this church, it's First United Methodist Church in Mojito, and the pastor is a man named Reverend Kennedy Mawita. Kennedy Mawita. And basically he said that all of the African churches should not be blamed for the traditional plan right. that passed earlier this year. We're not those type of Christians. We're Christians, but not like them. Exactly That's right. What he was saying. That's exactly what he was saying. So let me tell you something. This is dangerous. It's dangerous for the United Methodist Church. It's dangerous for Christians in general. And some of the verbiage and some of the wording that came from this Kenyan church um, describing that it was going to be a reconciling church always seems to double back to the um, racial inequity. Mm. It always seems to double back to when the United Methodist Church was formed, blacks in America were not free. So (laughs) what we are now seeking to do is to make this right. If you believe that the United Methodist Church is so oppressive and that it, it was oppressive at its founding, then leave. Right. Then leave. But they don't want to leave. No, they oh. don't want to leave. And they also don't want to recognize that Bishop Asbury, who was white, was a part of forming the African-American Methodist Church in the United States of America. Mm. That's a part of the United Methodist history as well. Yeah. But you know what they bank on? They bank on people not knowing a little bit about church history and not knowing that these blanket statements, these accusations of racism can be challenged. That's right. All right. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And that's uh, Todd Delaney with Fall in Love Again. Sherry B is over in Studio CC and we sure do appreciate her getting our guest on. Nina Rosner, who is the co-author of the book With All Due Respect. She has co-authored that book with Debbie Hitchcock. In that book, um, among other things, she asserts our nation needs a generation of parents to push the reset button 
parents who are brave enough to establish boundaries and facilitate consequences while showing compassion and grace by creating an atmosphere of mutual respect in our homes. Mm. Man, ain't that the truth? <laughs> I, I feel like, though, when I when I read stuff like that, I just go, oh, but it's so hard, Nina. <laughs> like, I just, Nina, I just want them to do it because I said. I just want them to get yeah. over it. Because I said so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me do this, that, though. That works. It, that works for like 12 months, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. And then and then once you're past that stage, it's they get they have a bigger vocabulary and they realize that they're people. Um, let me do this. Let me give you a formal introduction. Uh, Nina Rosner is the executive director of Greater Impact Ministries Incorporated, a Christian training organization. Nina has more than 20 years in the communications and training industry and has coached numerous executives, managers, individuals, wives, church staffs, and pastors around the country. She is the author of The Respect Dare. She's been married to her husband, Jim, since 1991, and together they raise and homeschool three children. They live near Cincinnati, Ohio. Nina, it's great to talk with you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me back. You guys are so much fun. Oh, no, we enjoy it every time. <laughs> it's good. Because, you know, I feel like the best interviews are the interviews where we can all just really be honest, mm -hmm. right? Like we can all yep. just really ask genuine questions. So let's start with sort of the basic premise of the book. This is a respect dare for parents of teens and tweens. Um, what do we need to know right off the bat about the book? Uh, that it won't be what you expect. Um, most people buy the book and go, I thought this was going to be how to get my kid to respect me. And that is an outcome. But what we don't realize is that the vehicle for that is treating them with respect so that that is modeled for them. And part of that is boundaries. And a lot of parents just don't have any. And so mm -hmm. communicating the right stuff the right way, uh, yeah, it makes makes for a better outcome. That's really interesting that you said that, Nina, that um, respect uh, is, is represented or um, demonstrated with boundaries. I think that we would see those things as almost competing against one another, that if you're setting yeah. boundaries that you're not showing respect, how is that not true? So I'll give you an example. My 15, well, he's 23 now. We lived through the teenage years, by the way, and oh it was goodness. amazing and wonderful, and everybody lived. Nobody died. <laughs> this is so, encouraging. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, and there wasn't that rebellion thing. It was amazing, and we've got great relationships with these guys now. My youngest is 18, so. Hmm. Um, but anyway, my, my when my oldest was 15 years old, we'd pull into the driveway, and he is wound up about something, and he's late for, um, he, he had a band at the time, he's late for practice, and he's like, okay, I've got to get here, and I've got to get there, but he didn't have a driver's license, and he, he's like, and, and get this, and get that, and then, and, and make me a sandwich, and he gets out of the car and goes in, and I'm like, who do you think you are? <laughs> what is this? You know, make me a sandwich. So I go inside. I didn't say anything to him. I went upstairs, I laid down on my bed, and I started reading a magazine. And he comes in, he's like, what are you doing? And I said, um, you know, I love you to pieces. And I love that you have so many neat things that you're involved in. And I really like driving you around. And when you're respectful, I'm really happy to do that. How do you feel about what happened in the van just now? Mm. He goes, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you're right. I'm sorry. And... Yeah, you're right. And he's <laughs> turning his head and stuff. And yeah. he's like, he does this great apology. 
And then, and I say, you're forgiven. You betcha. And he goes, so can we go? And I said, um, you can go. I'm not going to drive you though. So I'm not sure how you're going to get over there. Um, but you know, if tomorrow goes well and you have rehearsal, then I'm happy to take you and we can try this again. Hmm. And, um, that was, that was the only time he ever said, make me a sandwich like ever. Wow. Um, wow. That was the end. It was just a reset button. You are the real MVP. there has to be consequences yes. and relationships. That's, oh, that's Nina, good. give her a trophy. Like yes. that is, that is she amazing. Is, she is the MVP. <laughs> So let me tell you, so same scenario, I'll, I'll tell you what Miki would have done. I would have said, I don't know who you think you are. You don't talk to me like that. You get in there and make your own sandwich. But then I would have taken them all the places that they needed to go. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think yeah, what and, you did and, was and absolutely best. Well, I don't know. I mean, with my kids, sure. You know, um, <laughs> maybe it's different. You know, you just, it, it, it depends on the kid and their wiring yeah. and the relationship. You know, so and um, to be able to interact with somebody and have some grace for where they're at. I mean, That's teenagers good. are really toddlers with big problems, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's terrifying the stuff they can get into. And they're, you know, they're hormonal and it's really like toddler stuff. And they're amazing. They're really interesting and fun to be around. And we miss out on so much when we fight against them. That's good. Um, instead of just trying to help them develop and get out on their own. Hmm. So your son was 15 when this happened, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yes. so that was a way of communicating respect. But what if, what about kids younger than that? Like, how, how do you communicate respect early? Yeah, so if, um, say you have a two-year-old mm-hmm. that um, wants something in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting in the cart, and they start doing the wine thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I nobody's going to like this, uh, but I, if it escalates, if you um, cannot say, "Okay, we're going to go home in a little bit, and then we're going to do this," you can have a snack when you get home. No, I want the Twizzlers now, or whatever they're pitching their fit, fit about. You know, and they, if it keeps escalating, you know, you go, you know what, we're going to go home, and you, I've left the grocery store. And yes, I've left my groceries and yes, that is, wow. but you know, there's, there's tiny little things, the smaller decisions sometimes, and, and sometimes they have big impacts, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, I gotta go back to the stupid grocery store. But my kid needs to learn what is the right behavior in the right environment. Mm-hmm. And for me not to teach them that and for them not to learn it makes them a menace to society. Oh, that is good. I want a 20 year old that is demanding their way you know, and then getting angry. I mean, we have, I teach college. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I think we lost Nina. We're going to get her right yeah, back on. Back. That's a cliffhanger. Because this is exactly the kind of stuff that we talk about all the time. Snowflakes. Snowflakes galore. and entitled kids. <laughs> this is exactly what we talk about all the time. But what I'm hearing, and this is going to be my follow-up, so I'll just get into it, and then we can talk to Nina as soon as we get her back on. But look, This is exactly what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. I think each generation does a disservice to the generation that is coming after it. And and let me tell you how. It's because I think we think, oh, it was so tough for me. Mm -hmm. It was so difficult here. I want to make sure that my kid doesn't struggle. I want to make sure that my kid has everything that they need. And so then we feel inclined to make sure that they never have to like need or want or anything. And so we make it easy for them. But what we actually find ourselves producing are kids who are ungrateful and entitled. Yeah. And I think to Nina's point, we have to start early laying the foundation where we say, you're not going to get every single thing that you want. Yeah. I'm going to tell you this, and I want to get Nina to jump back in on this. I think that becomes even more difficult for us to do 
when we think somehow our identity or our job description as parents is ensuring that our kid is always happy. Mm. You know, <laughs> what do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, um, oh boy. You know what? If you can survive parenting, and there's a reason that some mothers in the animal kingdom eat their young. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> but if you can do this, you end up with these adults that you have great relationship and friendship with. And it's more than just saying no all the time, though. Mm -hmm. It's it's also giving choices because respect means I'm looking at you as an individual and I'm not nice. I'm good. Mm. And so that means little three-year-old as you are, you know, starting to think it's time for them to have a nap and they don't want their nap. But you say, okay, we're going to do this thing right now. Do you want to have your blanket with you or do you want this stuffed animal? Mm -hmm. And are you going to sleep with your head up here in the crib or your feet down here? You know, so you give choices that are within their realm of control because that's honoring them as an individual. And to not do that, kids grow up having to have a sense of solid identity, Mm -hmm. not based on what other people think of them, solid in who they are and their core moral values and, you know, their faith and all of those things. Yes. And if they do not have that, they don't have the ability to say no. They expect the world to say yes to them. And then they don't know who they are. And you see tons of mental illness as a result of that. Let's mm. double back to the point. You were about to make a point before we got disconnected. You teach yes. college. I wanted to hear some of your observations. Oh, my <laughs> word. So, Yeah, professors are getting phone calls from parents saying, you know, my son or daughter didn't get an A on this this exam. I don't like their score. I'm like, tell your kid to study. You know, (laughs) that's (laughs) the grade they earned. I can't believe that a parent would contact. And it's worse than that. I I heard a friend of mine talking about a 25-year-old that is an employee of theirs whose mother called him to say he didn't, she didn't like the performance review this guy got. That's a 25 year oh, wow. 25 years old. Yeah, no. <laughs> Helicopter parenting, not helpful. Our job as parents is to train these people up in the ways that they're designed, their gifting, mm-hmm. their interests, all of that, and, and help them fly. And when our kids are around, when they were around 10, 11, 12 years old, we would start backing off of the control. And it is so much easier for a kid to learn something by doing it and failing or doing it and, and trying again than it is to tell them something and manipulate them. And then what they end up with is, I can't do anything. Mm. So, I need to check with mom. So that's around, not, those, that's not confidence. around those tween years, I'm hearing, is when you guys started backing off. Are, mm-hmm. What does that look like practically for a parent who is listening who says, I don't want to be a helicopter parent, and maybe they're wondering if right now there are maybe, I don't know, some behaviors that they engage in that point to down the line, they would be calling that 25-year-old's boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when my kids are about fifth, sixth grade, I step out of interacting with them over their relationships. I make sure they know that I'm there. But you know how when they're in third grade and you, know, you work with the mom and if, if there's issues and you kind of coach and you help the, help them work through their stuff. Well, fifth, sixth grade, I'm, a, I'm done with that. And I let them know, you know, you're a big kid now. You've got your relationships. If you need help, let me know. So I get a phone call from um, one of my son's uh, girlfriend's mother, okay? 
And she's like, your son's calling my, my daughter all the time, and she's not able to do all this stuff she wants to do, and he's taking up all of her time, and you need to talk to him. And I said, gosh, sounds like this is really hard for you guys. She goes, yeah, she just she can't tell him to leave her alone because she doesn't want to hurt his feelings. I said, you know what? I appreciate that you're upset about this, and I, I can see that you're wanting her to have more things to do and not spend her time you know, with my son. I said, I don't, I don't blame you. Um, I've been noticing him spending a lot of time with her over, over the phone as well. I said, I'm not going to get involved in that, though. And she's like, what? What do you mean? You're not, you need to tell him. And I said, you know what? I think your daughter should, in their, you know, it's her relationship with him. And if he's being disrespectful of her time, she needs to be able to say to him, I can't talk to you. Or I'm going to do something else now. Or I'm not going to, you know, let's talk between this time and this time for this amount of time. I said, she's going to go to college someday. And she's going to have to have a strong no. And she's going to have to respect her herself enough to be able to say it and have people listen to it. So that's how you start that. So, Nina, I'm curious here, just because I'm so at around fifth and sixth grade, seventh grade, when you say relationships, do you mean like relationships that would be romantic relationships? Or no, do you I'm mean just friendships? friendships? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was holding my breath for a second. I was going, oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, you let your kids date at 11? I don't know, Nina. No, 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 no. no. Okay, okay. So you just mean friendships. Yeah, no, I totally get that. I totally understand that. So you're you're teaching them how to live and how to engage and and to be able to set their own boundaries and and things like, okay, no, I completely get that. I wanted to double back to something else that you said earlier because uh, Will and I were actually talking about this in the first segment. Um, You said as you raised your kids during those tween and teen years, uh, there wasn't this rebellion thing that you went yeah. through. And so that was one of our questions. Is it sort of set in stone that teenagers have to rebel? Or, no. Okay, so tell us about that. How do you avoid that? So the rebellion is a response to control. And so when a parent is overly controlling, they're going to get pushback. And if they aren't getting some pushback from those controlling behaviors, they have a child that doesn't know how to be independent, and that's terrifying. Mm. So if you have zero rebellion or zero pushback, then that's an issue. And then if you have a lot of pushback, that's an issue. And so what we want to do is we want to have an environment, and this is going to sound really crazy because you're not dealing with adults, Mm -hmm. but when you have a kid and you're you're not telling them what to do. This is one of the most uh, disrespectful things that parents can do is tell a 12-year-old, 12-year-old, have you brushed your teeth? Did you, you know, you, you need to do this. You can't, you shouldn't wear that shirt. You don't look, you know, you, you can ask questions and you can ask, and I know this sounds really crazy, um, but the reality is, is that they want to be treated like an adult and we are going to have so much more influence if we will treat them as an adult, even when they're not acting that way, we, if we will be respectful and not emotionally vomit all over them when they're acting foolish, then they'll come out of those things better. And then you'll turn around. I just went to uh, Knoxville this weekend at a marriage retreat for a bunch of people. My 18-year-old daughter went with me, wanted to just go down there for the four-hour drive one direction. Mm. And I said, why do you want to do this? She goes, I just really enjoy being with you. Yeah. And she, yeah. And, and she's more than excited about going to college next year. And, you know, she's very independent. 
And she and I have a relationship where I'm still the parent, but yeah. I, I don't control her life. She's a very, uh, She has to get this right so yeah. that when she's not living here, she knows how to make a decent choice. Nina, let me do this. Let me jump in. I want to grab the break here. I also want to open the phone lines up. If you've got questions or comments, you want to ask Nina a question, you can do that. 888-589-8840. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio, where, um, well, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Brad and Rebecca. I am found. Beautiful. Sherry B is over in Studio CC, and I have just learned that I shouldn't care about those dentist bills. I just should let <laughs> let their teeth rot out of their head. Um, <laughs> is, that what you're, is that what you're saying to me, Nina? You're saying, don't yeah, sure. ask them about... <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's it. That's exactly right. No, welcome back to the program, everybody. We are interviewing Nina Rosner. She's authored the book, co-authored the book, with all due respect, she and uh, Debbie Hitchcock. And we were just talking about um, how to pull back a little bit so that you don't end up being one of those helicopter parents that everybody um, secretly despises. You're like, you know that it's too much for other people. It never seems to be too much for you when you do it, but it's always too much when someone else does it. So I did open the phone lines, and I'll give you the number again. If you have a question or a comment, uh, you want to be a part of this discussion, you can join in. Nina has agreed to take calls. The number is 888-589-8840, and I do want to go to the phone lines in just a second, but before I do that, Nina, one other thing you say about this book is that it's not something that you're just going to read. It is something that you do. Explain that. So it's a 40-day experience, and we've wrapped our training methods. It's Greater Impact. That's the ministry I work with. Uh, We've wrapped a training method around the book, and so people go through it, and they experience things, and they think about stuff, and they ask questions, and they try stuff. And so there's a little bit of that in there. So it's it's healing a perspective. Um, I've had three kids, Mm -hmm. and boy, oh, boy, some of the choices they make have just been hard to watch. and I've known that if I can just wait and support and listen, that sometimes they get to a space where they say, hey, what do you think about this? And now that happens a lot. Mm. Um, it, it, it's a tough period while you're creating that environment. And But they have to make those mistakes. They have to make some really big ones sometimes. Mm. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're doing a lot of me get yeah so go back in time and get it right up front you know that's so good yeah yeah um um, but if we can't do that you know we do this boundary setting discussion and we say you know what i haven't i've been too controlling and in your stuff and i'm going to back off as a parent and so when you see me you know this is like with a 12 year old or something Mm -hmm. you see me you know telling you what you should do and your homework you know what you're responsible for your homework that's your job. I graduated from like college. I yes. have a master's degree. I did fifth grade <laughs> already. So I'm not going to look at your homework anymore. And you you can turn it in or not turn it in, but I will control whether or not I take you places in your social life based mm. on your grades. So if you're going to use your time wisely, great, but it's really your choice. 
That's so good. And, you know, uh, I don't want to I don't want to hog the conversation. I do have a follow up, but I'm going to hold it because we've got the phone lines that are just filling up. Nina, people want to talk to you. They want to want to kind of get your take on on some things. So so let's do this. Will the Great, where do we go first? Let's go to Amy in Tennessee. Hi, Amy. Hi. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I can see how the educational system has just primed kids for socialism with the entitlement mm. kind of thing. That alone, you know, um, would make them want to vote, you know, in that way. And I wondered if, um, in that's all I'm going to say. Okay, okay, well, thank, thank you. you so much, Amy. I appreciate you calling in. You know, I think to the point that, that Amy's making, and Nina, feel free to jump in here, I think that if we raise kids who feel entitled as kids, they do grow up to feel yeah. like entitled adults. Would you agree yeah. with that? I do, and honestly, you know, this isn't for everybody, but that's why we homeschool. And yeah. all of mm-hmm. my kids have, you know, blown it out of the water with great ACT scores. They don't have any social issues, you know, yeah. that's a myth. Um, and it, it's not for everybody, but that's the, it, I didn't want the public school uh, teaching my kids how to be people. Yeah, I got to tell you, that's a decision that we made. And, and for those reasons, among others, we felt that we were supposed to be discipling them and training them. And yep. and I'm that kind of person. I, I, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to do that. You know, so, yeah, with with our kids, we're doing the same thing. Let's do this. Let's go back to the phone lines. Will the Great Word to go next? Let's go to uh, Jeannie uh, in Ohio. Hello. Hello. Hey. Go right, Go ahead. Hi. Uh, my question for you is I have uh, seven children, and to me, the people that treat their kids like they're little adults tend to create some insufferable brats, uh, frankly. And, uh, I mean, I, I know that there's balance, but I'm a little confused by what you said because if I don't, my kid doing some of the stuff that comes out of their mouths, the meanness, the bullying, the inappropriate remarks. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, my bullying and I didn't even know they act like that. And I don't play like that. Yeah. I Jeannie, that. No, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Jeannie. Let me give Nina a chance to respond because I, I would imagine that we're talking about two different things here. I think that we're talking about proactive parenting and reactive parenting. And, and, and maybe there's a little bit of a difference. Here. I don't think that, well, Nina, your response to that. Yeah, so, you know, you've got a five-year-old that has a bedtime. And, you know, the the adult thing, question mark, would be to say, well, when do you want to go to bed? Well, no, 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 you got a five-year-old. They need to go to bed or they're just terrible to deal with, right? right. So there's there's boundaries. And, and if the kid says, well, I don't want to go to bed, yeah, I know, me neither. I hate sleeping. I miss out on so much. And we still have to do this thing. So let's go. Which mm-hmm. book are we going to read tonight? Yeah. You know, so you're still a parent. You're still in that role, but you're not, um, you're not putting the kid in charge. You're still in charge, but you're communicating in a way that respects them as people. You're saying, yeah, this, yeah, I can see why you'd say that. You're absolutely right. It's hard. Yeah. And when people, and, and they do speak, gosh, not, none of us are perfect. Our kids are not going to be perfect. And so when, not if, when one of mine is disrespectful with, with me, I'll, I'll pause and look at them. And then I'll say, hmm, do you want to say that again to me? Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure I deserve that. Right. And then I'll get an apology and I'll get that back. And I don't have, honestly, I don't have many adults that treat me like that in my life. I don't think I've run into anything <laughs> like that from a, a full-grown adult. Um, 
but I would call attention to it if somebody did speak to me aggressively. I would I would say, what is that about? And in the public speaking training that I do, when there is an aggressive audience member, you know, we address that in a way, a very specific way to handle that. But that's not what this is about. So it's a thing. You gotta you gotta call attention to the right things that you want more of, and you gotta call attention to the things you want less of in a way that's respectful and communicates mutual respect. Very and good. So, very yeah. good. Let's go back to the phone lines. Where do we go next, Will? Let's go to Amy in Kansas. Hi, Amy. Hello. 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 Yeah, go go ahead. I have a question about how to convey to my daughter, she's going to be 18 in December, and she is dead set on going to a college that's about two and a half hours away. Um, she is, unfortunately, her dad and I divorced when she was 11, and so she's kind of had this back and forth for the last, you know, seven years. Um, still, her dad and I get along fine, so it's not like it's a terrible thing between the parents and, and she's caught in the middle kind of thing. So she wants to go to a college. It's about two and a half hours away. And she just doesn't seem to want to listen to my, you can go as long as you get scholarships and grants to cover all your expenses. I don't want you taking out loans just to live there mm-hmm. when you can go to a college closer. Right. And her whole, her whole, I just, I just want to be on my own. I want to be independent. I want to, I want to have my own thing. And if I have student loan, I have student loan, even though I, it's like $12,000 a year to live on this. So Amy, are you wondering, uh, so Amy, just a quick question, just so, cause we've got some other callers who are standing by, they, they want to get in and talk to Nina as well. Are you wondering how to address that in a way that respects her as an adult, but also provides wisdom? Is that your question? Pretty much. I mean, I've tried okay. every angle that I could that the student loan debt is, you know, it's yeah. not going to go away quickly. It's a, mm-hmm. you know, she, she understands that, but she's just like, I don't care. Yeah. Let me let Nina uh, comment on it. Ni- Nina, how, how would you um, instruct Amy? So it's, you know, it depends on the relationship you have with her. She sounds pretty set in what she wants to do. Um, if there's a way you can ask questions about, you know, what, what would this look like if, you know, four years later, have you thought about whatever? Um, and she may say, yeah, I've thought all about all that, and I, I, I don't care. This is what I'm going to do. Like, okay, that's it. You don't know what God has planned for her. And mm. so, you know, we can only, <laughs> we can only in, influence so much. And they've yeah. got to make some of their own decisions. And some of them are just not wise. I mean, and sometimes we can be wrong. Um, you know, my son is 23. He's independent, uh, independent as a music producer. He's, he's bought his first house. He's owned a house before I did. I went to college and did all that stuff. He ended up with it, owning property. He's got a little farm, and he, he's doing well financially. He dropped out of college. He also got married when he was 20. Hmm. I didn't like any of that, but it's not my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ah. Nina, that is such a great point because I think that's what we parents often miss. We kind of think that we are living a second life and that we're shaping for our kids what we think is best. But I think you hit it really on the head when, you know, you're alluding to us trusting the Lord and, and knowing that the Lord loves these kids as well. Mm. Um, in oh, fact, and more than we do. More right? than we do. That's right. Amen. Oh. That's so good. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Where do we go next? Okay, let's go to Joel in Oklahoma. Hi, Joel. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Hi. 
So my question is, I'm a soon-to-be father of a three-year-old and a roughly 18-month-old. Um, due to my schedule and my soon-to-be wife's schedule, um, we have to we got to uh, allow we ask her mother uh, to watch the kids and um, help us. But one thing I've noticed is that the kids are becoming super brats. Uh, not wanting to go to bed at the designated time, you know, like stand, standard stuff. And so being stepping into that role as father and um, caretaker and everything like that, what would be a proactive way to, like, get them back on the routine that we're running? Yeah. And how would I address that with? Uh, my future wife's mother. Mm. Hey, yeah. Oh man, Joel, we're gonna <laughs> oh. Joel. Let me, uh, Joel, hold on <laughs> a second. First of all, let me just say this, Nina, you can charge him by the hour. All right? I know, right? Okay, this guy we right need here. To pray for this one. Oh, Joel, <laughs> everything about what you just described is scary to me. But I'm not yeah. the expert, Nina. What would you say briefly to Joel? Um, you know, Joel, I am feeling for you. Um, man. super brat. Yeah, not awesome. <laughs> and you know you have the right you have the right intention here, mm-hmm. and what you might have is not the right childcare solution. Mm-hmm. And so, and I'm not trying to cause trouble in your marriage, and I'm not a doctor, and I don't play one on TV. But I'm saying <laughs> you, you so don't sue me for this advice if your marriage potential blows up here. But you know, if you and your wife can get on the same page about what you want for these kids, and then have a con- conversation with grandma and grandma can align with that. And that's great. If not, then the two of you need to decide what you want for these kids and find something else mm. potentially. Yeah. You know, this is not easy stuff. No. None of this is easy, but conflict avoided is basically just delaying the problem. So if you got super brats now, man, oh man, think about super brats with a car. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let's yeah. do this. Let's try let's try to squeeze in one more call before we wrap up today's show. Where do we go next, Will? Let's go to Sarah in Missouri. Hi, Sarah. Hello. Go ahead. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Hi. Um so I have a daughter. She just turned thirteen last month. And my question for Nina had to do with modesty and clothing. And you know, I want to be respectful to her, but just like this past weekend she dug out a pair of old shorts that I felt were too tight and too short. And I, you know, I, I probably didn't approach it right and wasn't respectful because I was like, go take those off. You're not wearing those. Absolutely not. You know, Sarah, first of all, let me do this. We're going to run out of time, Sarah. So I think we got the gist of your question. I want to give Nina a chance to respond. Nina, I see nothing wrong with what she did. I'm just kidding. Go ahead, Nina. (laughs) Hey, you know, I've done that. So I get it. What we ended up doing was my daughter and I had a conversation of how will this work? How do you think God wants you to dress? And what's, you know, we had a conversation about boys and what's helpful there. Not that it's our, you know, we need to protect them from their sin. Their sin's their problem. But what is modesty for us, and how do we honor God, us? How do we do that with our bodies? And so we came up with a list. I took her to, um, we shop at uh, several different used clothing stores, because, you know, teenagers and clothes, woo. Right. So, um, and, and I, I gave her, we made the list together, and she said, okay, how much money do I have? And I told her how much, and she went out, she picked out everything, and it met the stuff on the list. Mm-hmm. But we didn't leave the store with stuff that didn't match the the rules on the list that she and I both 
collaborated on together. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. Nina, thank you so much for joining us. The book is With All Due Respect. With All Due Respect. It's a 40-day dare for mm. parents. It's something that you're going to do. You're not just going to read it. Nina, real quick, where can our listeners get a copy of the book? Any of your major retailers, uh, Amazon.com and Barnes & Noble, of course, have it too. Excellent. Nina, thank you so much. It's always a joy to talk to you and always a whole lot of fun. We appreciate it. All right. We are out of time. I yeah. tell you what, if you listen tomorrow, we're going to give away two copies of this two book copies. in the first segment. So yes. you listen tomorrow and we'll get you two copies of this if you listen today and you like what you heard. All right. We're out of time. Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.